That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I am Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a minute-by-minute rewatch of Dawn of Justice. This week's episode coming to you live from our bathtubs. Fully clothed. Fully clothed. Olay product nearby. Bath bomb. Release the tub cut. <laughs> we have arrived at minute 27. You'll notice that I always just kind of stay silent as you work it out, and then I just say, yeah. <laughs> Will it ever be possible, Stephen, for me to remember what episode of the podcast we're on? Yeah. You don't, you don't take the extra step that Clark did in the previous minute of saying, is what possible? Yeah, and I guess we did comment on that. We kind of left the last one on a little bit of a cliffhanger of um, yeah. It's like um, yeah, it's like when you get like half a text from someone and you're like, I know that you left that as it. Like you could have just said the, the. It's like the whole, hey, what are you up to? Can you tell me why before I why you're asking before <laughs> I say nothing? <laughs> Depending on why you're asking is going to influence what I tell you I'm doing right now. Yeah, so that really speaks to how healthy a relationship Lois and Clark have that. When Lois says, I don't know if it will ever be possible, Clark says, what? Well, or just that she would, yeah, she would leave that hanging out there where, just tell him. Like, she's making him ask what. I know. Of just, That's mm. a good reporter, right? Yeah. yeah. She's feeding him. Yeah, exactly. She's feeding him the line. Say what you're saying, Clark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that is where we will begin. I just don't know if it's possible. Don't know if what's possible. For you to love me and be you. Now, thanks to the last minute that we talked about, I think I my understanding of this line has greatly amplified because it seemed to me like for the people out there who haven't seen the American president, go see the American president. There's a line, you know, can you ever give me flowers and be the president at the same time? Will it ever be possible for you to not be Superman? And I like this exchange between this version of the characters, and I like the way that it isn't phrased as if there is some kind of like undercurrent of unrest between the two of them, which it really could have. Like, I, I never got the sense that this isn't working out between them. Yeah, it's well, just like she's kind of almost saying like, I don't know if I can be here and you can still be what you need to be. Yeah, well, and it's really interesting because that's not a unique or original sort of, or at least the way I, I always I always took it. I guess it's not fundamentally changed in my mind. But it's very much that, like, Raimi Spider-Man angst thing sure. of, like, the, oh, I, I just can't be with you because I'm Spider-Man or whatever. You know, whatever, name movie or yeah. Arrowverse show. People will always try to hurt the people I love. Yeah, exactly. And and it's like, oh, I, I love you and I'm going to try to pursue you. And then, oh, no, but I'm a hero. And the hero's path is to to not given to love or whatever yeah i guess here it's a little bit more believable because he is personally capable of like altering the global landscape it's a trope that i always groan at especially because you know like i said it's in probably every arrow show multiple times a season right like how many times have like oliver and felicity gone through that yeah. kind of kind of oh we can't be together because i'm the arrow and then they end up together and then yeah the more mainstream i feel like the more present that story is even it's i don't know if the writers always think it's the most relatable or what and so i remember the first time watching this that's kind of where my mind went with like oh that's like the most generic angle you could take with it but like you said 
it's it's not only more believable. I feel like it's the first time they actually understand the nature of that conflict in a in a relationship. Yeah, I think I feel like most other shows make it this. It, it's way more angsty, whereas in this, it's legitimately that Superman is being blinded by his need to protect Lois, and it's not about her being hurt. It's not about her being exposed or him protecting his identity or any of that. It's literally about his ability to be what the world needs him to be because he's he's distracted by her. And I think that's a that's that's like a real relationship thing that everyone deals with, right? Can I is this is this going to change who I am or is this going to cut into my ability to do, you know, XYZ? And for a lot of people it's like, you know what, I can give up racquetball on the weekends. Yep. <laughs> that's a weird example because I never yeah, played racquetball. No, that's perfect. Um, you know, or I don't need to game as often. And for Superman, it's, you know, he's not giving up his like man cave or whatever. He's giving up his ability to serve the world selflessly. Yeah, or or in, in the context of what she says here, like he's he's forfeiting his ability to reason. Right. Yeah. Like he is I'm sure I might have said this in the podcast already, but I'll let I'll let this live in perpetuity. Watch Black Sales. <laughs> but one of the best lines in that that I think is the most succinct way is that we are at our least rational when we're at our most vulnerable. I think that applies to this absolutely, and I think that it's not wrong for for Clark to care about Lois the way that he does. It wasn't wrong for him to save her. I think that's why she phrases the question as, I don't know if it will ever be possible. It Will this ever be simple? And that's an interesting echo later in this movie. Is there a way to make this work? Is there a way to make this simple that he will be able to reason as the man who loves his wife and as the superhero and potential, you know, savior of the world. I, I know that that for me is a big part of where his character ends up in this movie. So it was really interesting to to see it brought up or, or maybe, like I said, for my understanding of how that works all the way back here at the start of the movie when I hadn't really noticed it as much. Mm -hmm. I guess <laughs> at, at this point in the scene, Clark decides to be, in a moment that, like, I am very, I was very happy and am very happy to see in a version of the Superman and Lois story. Like, I think this is, he obviously gets into the tub. Uh, she says, you're going to flood the apartment. He grins and says, mm-hmm. <laughs> Shirt comes off, glasses come off, and they kiss. And we see Lois's hands on his back, which is added for the, the ultimate cut, which I think is a very striking image. Like and, and the way that the scene ends is is very warm and again ends exactly on the zero zero mark as we move from a very happy setting to a very not so happy <laughs> setting. I I really like the scene. I think it is one of the few times, sadly, but like a reality of the story where we get to see Clark and Lois happy together. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because as I mentioned in, in the last minute, there's a, a sort of sense of. Of him, like, coming into the room with the this bag of flowers. And at the, at, during the scene, he also, he's talking to her and he, like, pulls a single rose out and, like, hands it to her. And there's this sense of, like, I don't know, I, I have trouble with, with being unromantic and yeah. because because of finding that stuff, like like what he's doing in this scene, you know, I, like it looks naive to me or it looks whatever. But but it's also like it is kind of a, a grand gesture of him. Like the getting of the tub, I'm like, why is he like his <laughs> clothes are soaked now? Like there's no like he's going to have to get those like to a hamper. They're going to leak on the floor. He's going to have to wipe it up depending on what the floor is made of. You know, he's maybe going to have to deal with. But then like in knowing Clark from the first movie, like I also have the impression that 
he is a serious guy. There isn't a whole lot of dialogue between them, I guess, if you're comparing this to like other movies, but they convey so much in those looks that they give each other that him taking out the flower is like, well, I'm a gentleman, and she kind of smiles because he's so sweet, but then he starts grinning like with a bit of mischief. Yeah, well, it's very, it's like clearly like a, like an over the top gesture of him, like him him saying when he said in the last minute, I, I don't care, I don't care about them, and that's kind of how. I feel like he's carrying that through here where he's just like, no, I don't. This is all I care about. I'll show you how little I care about all this other stuff. I'm going to climb into the tub fully clothed. It's also funny, though, because that's literally his way of while there's like a sort of a sense of romance and, and mischief and kind of flirtatiousness to it. There's also it's it's a it's a big move to kind of get her to shut up. <laughs> right. Like she's like, no tackle this serious question. And he says, oh, or I could get into the tub fully clothed. You know, and and make you forget that you were trying to talk about whatever. And it is a continuation, right, of the same, this is what we want. You know, like, this is what it should be able to be. Yeah, he's trying to be that version of Superman that everyone is demanding. Everyone, like the audience, are, yeah. um, are demanding he be. She's trying to understand a dark thing, and he manages to break her. You know, she's grinning and smiling. And it always kind of bugged me. Or bugged me is the wrong word, but I... I obviously have a lot of little neuroses about these things, but like how his glasses fall on the floor in a puddle. The glasses is a really interesting theme here now, though, because he walks in and the first thing that happens is he doesn't see the bullet, right, when he walks into the room because he's not looking for it. Or maybe because the bullet isn't seeable yeah. to him, as we'll you know keep an eye out for later in the movie. Yeah. But the point is he walks into the room and he doesn't know what he's walking into. He's totally oblivious to it. And then she tells him... That he's not paying attention to these hearings, that he needs to be, and you know, this is all in the last minute still, but she tells him, you know, you need to pay attention to this. And not only does he say he doesn't need to pay attention to this, he doesn't even understand why it's a big deal, because he thinks it's about them thinking that he murdered people, yeah. when it's really about him um, having a geopolitical um, pull yeah. um, just by existing. The way that he gets out of that conversation is by getting into the tub, fully clothed, to get her to shut up, and then his glasses fall, which... Um, mm -hmm. You know, maybe I'm looking into it too much, but I, I feel like it's very much a continuation of, like, that he's not seeing. Oh, right? totally. He doesn't yeah. have his glasses on here. I mean, if we were going to paraphrase, like, previous minute and this minute and what it is warning us about Clark, it is that his love for Lois is making him reckless and blinding him to what's important. And then this minute has him <laughs> get into the tub, flood the apartment, and throw his glasses off. You can talk about visual storytelling. That's yeah. exactly what that can – you can do that without dialogue, yeah. right? This scene could exist in the storyboards without dialogue bubbles. And, and you could say, oh, wow, he is – you know, he's refusing to engage in a meaningful conversation and he's blind to what's going on. Yeah. I should point out the glasses falling and the water splashing is maybe the one cut in the theatrical version that I miss. Because I, it is so good. Like, it is one of the, the top moments of the movie for me, specific to the theatrical cut, that that's how they end that scene. Mm. Is the glasses falling between them and them hitting the floor and the water splashing and then cutting from it. And I think that is so well done. When I saw the ultimate cut and it was the two of them together, it was... I'd ask myself, you know, what is the difference here? Visually, it is Lois holding on to him. It's just an, it's, it's an interesting thing to... to establishes a visual is you know in this case Zack Snyder wants us to look at Lois holding him well and there's an interesting theme also with like you compare this to a lot of other superhero movies and I know it's funny because you get the criticism it's one of those 
you know, seemingly double standards with this movie and, and other movies. But I know people have talked about um, before about how a lot of superhero movies seem really sexless. Yeah, yeah, totally. And especially like comics. Yeah, and you, and you get like um, you know, in the earlier Iron Man movies, um, or at least in the first one. Sexuality is a sign of uh, a flaw, right? A vice only. Right. But then you move into like the, the Disney era of the MCU and I, I'm i sure it, it's happened and I'm just, you know, ignoring it. But like, I don't recall the last time somebody got laid in the MCU. No. And, uh, and then, you know, it obviously happens, you know, Tony and Pepper had a daughter, <laughs> but like. Oh, we had like one of the best jokes of the Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton centering around him not being able to have sex because his heart rate would. Yeah. Get up to the point that he turned into the Hulk. And so then when it came to this movie, I remember it coming out. And that was one of the weird things that people were mocking it for was they'd, they'd be like, oh, Zack Snyder wants you to know that his heroes get laid or whatever. That's so weird. Yeah, well, it's a weird – especially for this scene because it's not hooking up. It's like no. a very playful but also, you know, I think maybe they haven't seen each other for a little while because she was yeah. traveling. And then there was the danger involved and then and there's a you know a tense moment that they're overcoming. And then, But you also have later on you have Batman with what I imagine is – is a is a sex worker or a um or Fling, maybe a know? socialite if it's yeah, yeah like somebody who is not relevant enough to even be named or considered by him again the rest of the movie like it's very yeah. clear that it's just somebody that he had to fill his bed right yeah but it's 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 something that's present here and i think it it's something they use to sort of show who these characters are and the way they connect to each other and to the world and no that doesn't mean that you have to have like superheroes getting down all the time in every in every movie but that is some somewhere that this movie goes to kind of show how these people fit into the world where clark has this very very deep and personal connection uh, so much so that it could threaten his his ability to properly be superman right yeah whereas bruce is so batman that he can't even have somebody whose name he knows in his yeah. head right yeah that's a big part of the in a in a major way suggesting that superheroes have sex lives yeah. is like controversial when Lois and Clark are married in the comics, yeah. you know, they have Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting in that way in that a lot of this movie, you know, and a lot of like depictions of romance will age. Mm -hmm. But I imagine Clark looking at Lois grinning and getting into the tub 50 years from now, that will play the exact same way. Yeah. You know, it will still make the people in the audience kind of smile. and. Well, I think it'll play better 40 years from now than Pink Panties plays today, for example. Yes, yeah. I have no idea how that played then, but I, I would hope that it – I don't hope that it played better, but I, I, I would hope that they left it in because they thought that it would play better at the time. But like, that would never be in something today. No. The only other thing I'll, I'll mention in the scene, because it, it strikes me as something that would be – in a comic book, it, it makes total sense. You know, you can have characters be nude and it's not about being provocative or being salacious or getting a mature stamp on it. It is, you know, a shadow sure. is all you really need to, to cover anything that yeah. matters. Well, at the same time in comics, though, quite often you'll get a scene where it's like, how are they – like, because the medium almost allows them to be – too flexible with that where they'll they'll have a scene where it's like you know someone in the bath and it's like oh they just drew that perfectly to the like millimeter exactly. that they needed to in order to have the the or you're like i think they altered anatomy there to to give yeah, more yeah. skin without actually showing anything it, it stands out to me mainly because it is so uncommon mm -hmm. A very conscious decision was made to A, depict Lois Lane in the bath, mm -hmm. B, not play coy as if that was in some way titillating. Yeah. She's in the tub. Clark walks in and she doesn't – it doesn't phase her. I guess that's that's a thing 
also that we did, that is interesting to point out that we haven't yet is that um, he just walks in to the bathroom, right? Like they, it's a very intimate. There's this sort of level of comfort between them that they share their lives to that point, which is like yeah. something that you know maybe it's not that case with everyone because there's uh, we run into couples who have that question about like do you leave the door open or do you not? Like, <laughs> but I, I feel like most married couples that I know are just kind of. They're like, no, like this is you, you, I share my life with you and I'm not going to be like, you know, make sure you knock before you ever open a door. It's such an interesting thing for me from like the artifice of filmmaking. Yeah. He's not looking at her and neither are we because there is literally nothing to see. I was like, oh yeah, because in a comic that happens all the time, you just make the water white. Like you just choose what people can and can't see and allow it to impact the scene in whatever way. Yeah. Well, and they don't play it like, like he doesn't give her that look. Or or anything when they when when he walks in, it's a like you said you got the Reeve Superman using his X-ray vision without permission mm-hmm. and commenting on the the color of her underwear, whereas you have this Superman just walking into the room and not being male gazy about it. The reasons you know the things that would make it provocative are erased, so that is not the point. <laughs> it's so funny too because the scene gets criticized exactly for that, like. Oh, they created the scene just to put her in the tub naked. But it's not, ironically, because we're talking about Batman later on in the shower, and they do the opposite there. Yeah. Right? It's just full on. He's like, exposed. Yeah. I, like, exposed is the right word for it, is in this scene, Lois is unclothed, but yeah. she's not exposed to us or him. Yeah. Well, and it's funny to, I use the, the, the word male gaze a second ago, because that's something that Snyder was also criticized for with his, um, with his Amazon costumes oh sure but yeah it's, it's a i think really really sort of ironic that this scene gets that sort of criticism and, and i feel like it's sort of a people are just making an assumption of like there's this characterization of Zack snyder for being a certain way i think partly because of sucker punch because people misunderstood that one sure where people there was a recent interview with him where someone said or he, he was talking about the purpose of that movie as sort of a deconstruction or a or a critique i should say of the male gaze and someone asked well why did you portray the girls the way you did in that and he said, well, you did. Yeah. And not as a, like, well, I did it because, like, well, you do too, so therefore I can. But as a, like, I, I did this to, to point out the fact that this is how they, they're, they're portrayed. Them portraying themselves as the way that people want them to be portrayed is part of the structure of that story. So Exactly. Well, and even even given all that, you look at sort of what it's criticized for being and you realize that even it's even not that, like, considering what the movie what sucker punch is it's still maybe modest isn't the right word but like not as like they're not hardy harley quinn shorts right yeah overly sexualized but it infers a level of, of sexuality but um anyway so the, the whole point is though that it's just funny the scene gets criticized for that when you know this is what we're talking about that it's not it doesn't really lean into that even though it has ample opportunity yeah to and it um, and it, it also doesn't shy away from it. It's just kind of like, no, she's in the tub. That's a thing people do. Don't be weird about it. Yeah, exactly. Don't be weird about it. Like, we're seeing it the way Clark is. He wouldn't be looking at her. Like, <laughs> he'd be looking at yeah. her as his. Yeah, well, and the alternative is, like, what's often shown after um, a, a sex scene or something in, like, a like a PG-13 movie or whatever, is, like, the woman will be laying in bed with, like, oh, the sheet wrapped up yeah. around her chest. And it's like, who, like, you're doing that for the camera. And and it does that in this scene without having that same sort of awkward, 
or there's no like it's not like she gets out of the tub and he and he yeah. the camera shot just perfectly has Clark moving the grocery bag to cover her as like a it doesn't call attention I guess to the fact that it's covering her up and it's it's funny because this um I think went in thinking that there wasn't really going to be as much to to talk about this scene it definitely filled filled some time with it but it reminded me one of the things I was like oh well here's a funny thing I could talk about in order to fill the time. <laughs> But it reminded me of um, Zack Snyder's commentary on Watchmen. I don't think I've actually watched the movie with the commentary is the funny part. Because he made it available as like an MP3 to download. Either that or it's on the, the disc and I just downloaded it as an MP3. Maybe that's what happened. Regardless, I've got an MP3 of the commentary and that's how I listened to it. And I and I haven't actually synced it up. I just listened to it like as a podcast. Oh, wow. Because he, he talks throughout most of it. And, and if you know the movie well enough, you know what he's talking about. I remember the the scene with um where they're on the the couch starting to hook up and then it, it doesn't work out. Oh, the the game is on the TV. Yeah, and that, that's a hilarious part of the commentary for me because Zach is like really really conversational throughout the whole thing, and he's always like, "Oh, there's a funny Easter egg over there," and if you if you look at the book that's on the table, it's a <laughs> reference to whatever. And then it gets to that scene, and there's just this awkward fumbling and like wet kissing noises Ugh. and moaning sounds, and he just gets silent. <laughs> Dan, what's wrong? There you can hear the TV kind of coming up a little louder. So for me, listening to that, I'm just not synced up to the movie. I'm just like... I'm having a moment right here. I'm like, I might have even like been in the grocery store or something. Like I was just listening to it on the go, like on headphones. <laughs> just this like wet kissing and moaning noises in my ear. I'm like, what? And like, and Zach stopped talking and it felt very much like, almost like watching a movie with like your parents. Everyone and you, goes and you're like chatting throughout it. And then all of a sudden you just like get silent um, for this whole like... Yeah. And, um, and so I was kind of thinking, I was like, oh, well, that's that's all we're going to have to talk about this, this episode. So for all of our listeners, it's going to be like that experience. Yeah. And then we're able to fill the yeah. time. But it's funny talking about the way that he depicts these scenes also, because he another thing Zach was criticized for with Watchmen was the sex scene on the owl ship. Right. Where he's got Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. Of course. And, and, I, and I frequently, it's weird how pervasive that, that still gets referenced, <laughs> but I feel like almost like on a weekly basis, I see someone take a crack at that. And something else that he mentions in that commentary that's really funny is that he was originally going to use the Alison Crow version of the song because he thinks it's really beautiful and it's like way more romantic. But he thought that it was too romantic. And people wouldn't get that it was satirical and, and in his words, outright intentionally comedic. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the way um, they hit the fire, like yeah, it exactly. plays is funny in the comic too, in that, in that same way, like it, it hits that same joke in the exact same tone. He made so very specific choices in that scene to like make it obvious that he was pointing out the irony and the, and the humor and like and wanting people to laugh at how absurd it was and people t- treat it as a moment of unintentional comedy yeah and the reason i'm talking about that bring it full circle is that it's funny that now you get to this movie where he has the sincere moment and and people also had a a weird reaction to it and it's not um yeah it seems like his intention is always interpreted the opposite way even though i think it's it's pretty clear why he does things but he does that and people think it's a it's supposed to be a serious sex scene but it comes off as unintentional comedy and then here he has this really sincere moment and people are like, oh, he just wanted to have Amy Adams naked in the tub yeah, and that's... show that this Superman gets laid. And it's like, that's not at all what this is communicating. Yeah. As a um, as one of my university professors said, a sex scene is never about sex, right? Yeah. Sex scenes are about power almost always like yeah. used in, in are that in terms of like a, a storytelling, like a 
not just the act, but sex is used in storytelling as an expression of power. Then we, we cut from, I guess, uh, what you would say, like a, a scene that had a lot of weight to it, levity brought to it through love and warmth and Clark and Lois coming together, you know, symbolically and physically cut right on the minute into the <laughs> another lovely couple. Oh, yeah, this is going to be an interesting. Yeah, the, 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 the there's a lot more yeah. parallels here than I than I thought of. It'll be exciting to kind of see that, that shift in the next yeah. episode. That will be, uh, that's a good place to leave it. In the, in the next minute, we will be introduced to Bruce Wayne, the Batman, or Bruce Wayne as yeah. Batman and Alfred Pennyworth and the Batcave and I believe Bruce's mission. Well, and, and once again, we're back to a, um, a minute to minute cutting where, um, where we're ending right on the minute mark with a, an action that transitions into another scene. Yeah. And I, and I think this next chunk has a, has a few of those too, if I remember correctly. Yep. So. Um, back and and you know this movie continues to tick along yeah. like a like a Swiss watch. Yeah, and in the uh, continuing I guess tradition of Lois being the smartest person involved in the story, she goes from wondering, wanting to understand what happened, and knowing that actions come at a cost. Mm -hmm. Her and Alfred have a lot in common, and we will get to enjoy that more in minute twenty eight. Oh, interesting sidebar. Um, turns out more than once Zack Snyder used a Leonard Cohen song to symbolize someone getting f <laughs> The red capes are coming. The red capes are coming. Hmm. One if I land. Hmm. Two if I air. Anyway, what were we? I don't know, but in the PG thirteen, you get one f bomb rule. I think that's um. <laughs> I think you found the perfect. <laughs> There's always the question of how, where do you use that? And that is, that is, I found it. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> yeah.